Hi, everyone. This is Liam Sanyo from Inside Scientific, your favorite online source for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content helping you do your best work. This episode of Expert Answers features Dr. James Dooley, Assistant Research Scientist at the University of Iowa, and Dr. Anna Cavaccini, postdoctoral student at the University of Zurich. Recently, Dr. Dooley and Dr. Cavaccini joined us to present their research into the development of rodent sensory motor neuronal circuits during early postnatal life in wakefulness and REM sleep. So let's get right into it. All right, so the, the striatum is composed by two main neuronal subpopulations showing different function in motor control. Do you think that the specific engagement of one subpopulation compared to another changes over development? So, Anne, I'll direct that question to you. Yeah, in the striatum, there are two main uh, subpopulations, neuronal subpopulation D1 and D2, depending on the dopaminergic receptor they express on the membrane. And actually, there is uh, a paper, there are a few papers. So one that comes to my mind is a neuron paper from Kreitzer Group of 2015, where they were showing anatomically that uh, the D1 and D2 are differentially innervated by cortical areas in adult mice. Actually, they reported that sensory cortical areas preferentially innervate the D1, while the motor cortex preferentially innervate the D2. This study was not functionally, but this might suggest that, yes, depending on the time window of considering over development, there could be a different engagement of the two neuronal subpopulation. Actually, it's one of the things that we are trying to understand. All right, fantastic. Great answer. Next question, Jimmy, this one's for you. Do you think the function of twitches changes after the development of internal models? So in other words, do you think twitches continue to calibrate the system or do something else or maybe stop having a function entirely? That's the question that I'm hoping that will drive my, my research moving forward. One thing that we know from a lot of the research the lab's been doing is that early on, it doesn't seem like twitches are really working as a timing signal. They look like they're helping develop those somatotopic maps. And then what I was trying to show here is that they might play a function in kind of calibrating the timing of the system in that late second and then third postnatal week. And what I would love, like I was saying in that last slide, what I'd love to be able to demonstrate because twitching persists across a lifetime is whether they continue to calibrate that system. And that's what I'm biased to believe. But those are the kinds of questions that I'm hoping to answer moving forward. Fantastic. All right. Great answer. Anna, this next one will be for you. What thalamic nuclei are involved in motor control? Yeah, so in adult mice, always the parafascicular and the ventroposterior region of the thalamus show an activity related to the initiation and the execution of movements. But in my knowledge, nothing is known about the role played in motor control by those areas early on. Excellent. All right, here's one for, for Jimmy. Uh, do you see any evidence of the difference in activity between VP and VL for wake movements, or was it specific for the twitches? That's something that I think actually highlights why we think twitches are the best movements. So that's something that I looked at. But the problem is, because these are young animals, and you can't really train them to do a wake movement repeatedly, there's so much variability so I can trigger on the initiation of wake movements, but there's so much variability in what those wake movements are. Sometimes they're grooming, sometimes they're locomotion. 
And so the timing of the movement and the different muscles that are being used in that movement are so variable that you can't really get the resolution necessary to see, you know, a 20 or 30 millisecond difference in activity. So twitches are the best movement to be able to see that because they, you know, only affect one muscle at a time. They're so brief that you can really see, you know, with this movement is their activity afterwards. And with wake movements, it's just not possible to see a difference. There might very well be one, but I don't think using that method, we'd be able to detect it. All right. Great answer. All right. And a next question here for you. Have you tried to stimulate a cortical sensory area to check the response in striatum early on? Yeah, so I tried to evoke sensory response in striatum early on, actually through whisker stimulation in a way had fixed mice. And uh, I stimulate the whisker by sending one stimulus every 20 seconds for 20 times. And then I record the multi-unit activity. And uh, at this, the three time windows that I have presented in the talk. And what uh, I have seen is that I was able to evoke a response at postnatal day 1724, but not before. So it looks like sensory input, at least coming from whisker, reached the striatum after the appearance of the whisker dependent sensory behavior. So at least considering those inputs, striatal activity doesn't seem to be engaged by them early on. Fantastic, great answer. So this goes back to your the slides you showed at the start with the toddler and Zelda. So as opposed to the twitches, these both they both use their visual system. So how do you think using vision applies to these internal models? That's something that I'd probably have to speculate more on, but what I would guess would be the case is that, you know, the, these internal models and these representations of the world and kind of predictions of sensory feedback, they, they start very simple and then they can get more and more complicated as animals or people get more experience in particular situations. And so my focus here on these, uh, the sensory motor system kind of predicting these sensory motor delays. I think that is the base model that then you can add additional predictions from visual input, from auditory input, once you have that base level set up. And so while I started showing, you know, two different, you know, uh, my dog and a, a toddler doing these visual tasks, I think prior to even that, they have to set up this, this basic internal model of, you know, predicting sensory motor feedback, more sensory feedback from a motor command. Or that's the way that I think about it. And I would guess that once that's set up, the same kinds of things can be used to then predict visual input or output input or any other modality. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. Don't forget to subscribe, and we'll see you next time.